Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we are starting a new series called The End, The End. And this is a three-week series. Today, I'm going to really stick to my notes. Um, That is a study on the end times. And I just want to make a disclaimer on this. There is no possible way we are going to touch on every question that you have about the end times in three weeks. Um, There's no way that we are going to be able to answer all the questions that you have because we don't have time. And the other thing is I probably don't know. Right? I mean, there's just a lot of questions out there. People were talking to me after first service about the book of Amos, and I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, right? Like, I know it's in the Bible, but I'm like, I have no clue, right? There's a ton of questions. So, let, so here's what I want you to know, what we are going to be doing. Today, we're going to be talking about the timing of the end of times, right? Are we in the end times? When is Jesus coming back? Next week, we will be talking about the rapture of the church, the second coming, and the judgment of the earth. And the third week is more like a timeline and key characters in the end times and how it's all going to go down. So today, as we are in our first week of our series, The End, How It's All Going to End, I want to talk to you today about Harold's a dummy and fake sign language. Harold's a dummy and fake sign language. And I think for a lot of us that grew up in church, there was a moment you thought the rapture happened and you got left behind, right? Anybody else there with me? You're like, Yes. I remember growing up, me and my buddy, my best friend back when I was a little kid named Brian, 1983, we lived pretty close to one another. Brian comes to my house, we get on a bike and we go off and we just are out for the day, right? The only rule back in the 80s was just be home before it's dark. And so we go out, we're going riding around and on our way back, I fall off my bike pretty bad. I skin my leg and when I did, I threw out a level four curse word, right? Um, And some of you are like, there's levels. Oh yeah, there's levels. And I made it count um, on that hit. And I grew up that if you cussed, you were going to hell, straight to hell. There was no forgiveness. There, like you just undid everything that Jesus did for you in that moment. And so when I fall and I let this level four cuss word out, Brian looks at me and I look at him and we just agreed we would never tell a soul until today. I'm riding home, and when I get home, nobody's at my house. My mom's not home. My dad should be at work. My mom's not home. My sister's not home. There's no note. And so I go outside to see if any neighbors are home. I go outside. There's no neighbors home. I go across the street to my other friend, Brian. I knock on his door. He's not home. I'm starting to freak out because I remember the level four curse word that I said. And so I go home and my my safe proof plan that anybody has is you call grandma and grandpa, right? And I call my Mima and my grandpa, no answer. I'm like, okay, Papa and Mana are my next, my, my, my final thing. I call them, no answer. There's nobody around and I am freaking out. 
I go back to my room, I start crying, I start asking God for forgiveness, it's not too late. Please God, please God, I start coming up with strategies of how am I gonna survive the tribulation the next seven years coming my way. No eight-year-old should know all this, but I did. And in 10 minutes, my mom comes back into the house. I run, I hug her, and she's like, what's this for? And I'm like, I just missed you, mom, right? Like, I just like, I'm not telling you about my curse word. I just, and I think a lot of us growing up had moments of, I missed the rapture. I had a buddy once that fell asleep at church on a Sunday night, woke up, everybody's gone, and it's completely dark. Woo! It's not just freaky, like he thought, I lost it, I'm gone, right? And there's a lot of questions and misconceptions about the rapture, about the end times, and I can get really deep into the weeds and lose a lot of us over this topic. So before we get going, let's start with something really, really basic, and let's answer some questions in our first point. And the first point is this, it's a question, what does the end times even mean? Right, like some of us that grew up in church, we know, but some of us were going, what are you talking about right now? Like the end of service time, the end of the Super Bowl, what are we talking about? When we say end times, what we're talking about is the study of the end of times, how the earth's gonna end, and it comes from a word called eschatology, right? Some of you are like, that's not a real word. Justin, you don't say those kind of words. Um, Eschatology. And eschatology is a fancy sounding word that means the period leading up to the end of the world and the final judgment. On December 8, 2022, the Pew Research Center did a survey in the USA about the end of time. And they asked this, they asked, uh, um, and here's kind of the result, 40% of Americans believe we are living in the end times. 49% of Americans don't believe we are living in the end times. And 47% of evangelical Christians believe we are living in the end times. When asked if Jesus will return one day, 55% of the American population believes yes. 75% of evangelical Christians believe with 20% believing he will never come back. So let me say this. Whether you believe Jesus will come back or not, it really goes back to whether you believe the Bible or not. Because if you are going to believe the Bible and what Jesus said, then you've got to believe and understand that if Jesus said it and if it's in the Bible, it doesn't matter how you feel about it, it's true, right? And this is a major declaration of what Jesus talked about and this is the hope we have for the end times and what Jesus talks so much about. In fact, the Bible says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter four, it says, and now dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. 
First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds. Remember that part, to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So, they freak out, right? So go be a prepper. No, what's he say? So encourage each other with these words. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52 and verse 58 says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when, a, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will be transformed. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So a few things to note right here from these passages. The Bible, first off, clearly states that Jesus will return, and in other several passages that we will get to later on in this message, Jesus declares that he is coming back. In fact, he tells his disciples that he must go away to prepare a place for us to live with him forever. The next thing I want us to understand when it comes to the end times that I'm gonna talk about a little bit more next week is that there is a difference between the rapture and the second coming. The, the verses we just read in 1 Thessalonians and in Corinthians is, is really referencing the rapture. The difference is this. The rapture is for the followers and believers of Jesus Christ. And when he comes back, he's not coming back to the earth. We are going to him. We are meeting him in the air and those that are dead will rise first. And then uh, we will follow. Like think of Star Trek, like you know, beam me up Scotty type thing, right? Like whoop, we're going, right? The second coming occurs after the tribulation. So after the rapture of the church, if you were a pre-tribulation believer, you believe that the seven years of tribulation are going to occur. And then at the seventh, the, the end of those seven years, when a battle of Armageddon, many of us have heard that, that is after that, the destruction of the earth is when the second coming of Jesus comes. Now, if you are a mid-tribber, I know I'm about to lose some of you, you are believing that you will be here for three and a half of the tribulation good years, but when things get fun, and nasty, you're out, right? That's, that's when the rapture's gonna happen, then everything's going on. So, so, so here, here's the good news, right? What do we know about the rapture and when it will happen? Here's all we know. It will happen in the blink of an eye and it will be sudden. And this isn't to freak you out. This isn't to make you scared today. It is to prepare you and to be ready. Right, because this isn't something as followers of Christ for us to be fearful about. This is something for us to be excited about. And this leads to another common question. Are we in the end times? There is a lot of debate about this. Are we in the end times? Well, let's go back to the Bible and see what the Bible says about this. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one through five says this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Some of you say that sounds like a Friday night. Um, they, will be, they will consider nothing sacred. 
They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, based on this part of scripture, a lot of us could say, hey, we're there. You know, we are in the midst of the end of times. But let's check out what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse three through eight. It says, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when all the end's gonna happen, right? How's the end coming down? Tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. That's, that's huge today. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. Here's what Jesus said. He said, don't let anyone mislead you because there's gonna be a lot of people that will mislead you and will fool many people. There's gonna be a lot of signs that, and things that happen, but don't get fooled, right? Don't get catfished, don't bite. Some of the things that are happening are simply just part of what happens in a fallen and broken world. This means this, not everything that happens is a sign of the end times. Okay, so, so let's, just, let's just understand that. There are a lot of signs that are out there, but not every sign has meaning. Not every occurrence is a sign of the end times. To illustrate this really, really well, at Nelson Mandela's funeral, there was a guy there that was hired to be the sign language person for the service, and we got a picture of him. He looks like this. And this guy, let me tell you what this guy did. He doesn't know sign language. So while President Obama is up there speaking, this guy's just throwing signs out like Nelson Mandela's dead, right? Like, I mean, like me and you could have done a better job doing sign language and the deaf community has no idea what's going on. People are outraged and he's just faking it till he didn't make it, right? Like it didn't work and everybody's like, what is he saying? Like he's throwing a lot of signs that don't have meaning. And there are a lot of signs, can I tell you, that don't have meaning. On February 2nd, we had a 5.1 magnitude earthquake in Prague, Oklahoma. I have not seen anything in the Bible talking about the United States, first off, but Prague, Oklahoma having earthquakes and Jesus coming back, right? There have been massive tsunamis in our recent history. There is the war in Ukraine involving Russia, and now we have the war with Israel and Hamas. And let me say this, let's talk about this just for a second. Anytime Israel is involved in war and under attack, there is always concern and thoughts, and rightfully so. I've heard a lot of people say we are experiencing Ezekiel 38. 
This, this is uh, in Ezekiel 38. It is talking about a war that is happening. And many people confuse Ezekiel 38 and 39 with Armageddon. This is not the battle of Armageddon. The, the war that is happening in Ezekiel 38 and that is prophesied about, most Bible scholars believe happens before the tribulation, right before the rapture of the church. In Ezekiel 38, it involves a prophecy against Gog in the land of Magog. Don't worry, I'm gonna explain it. Gog means prince, lord, cap, I mean, not capital L, lowercase l, lord, or czar. The land of Magog, and the reason this is so important for us to understand, the land of Magog is far north and they form an alliance with five other nations. The land of Magog, when you look at ancient maps, is the land of the ancient Scythians, and this land was just north of the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea. So my, most Bible scholars believe that Ezekiel 38 is talking about what we know as Russia today. This prophecy is most likely about Russia and the alliance that they are forming. Now, you are, now you're like, okay, this is making a little bit more sense with five other nations. The first nation on that list that Magog or Russia makes an alliance with is a nation called Persia. Now, Iran was referred to Persia till 1935 and Iran has historically always been called Persia. Now, the current war with Israel in Israel with Hamas Ezekiel 38 talks about that there's an invasion that comes from the north. The current battle and war that is going on is not happening from the north, but is coming from the south. Um, it also says in Ezekiel 38 that no one comes to Israel's defense and aid, but we know that the U.S. and other nations have come to their defense. So are we experiencing Ezekiel 38? Are we, is that kind of what's happening right now? No, not yet. But there are alliances being made, and if Hezbollah, Iran, and Russia, what we know as Libya, that's one of those five countries, Turkey and Ethiopia, get involved, then we are well on our way. And some could say we are in the end times. Every generation has thought we're in the end times, right? The generation, the greatest generation to ever live, World War II, when that was happening, they thought we're in the end times, and rightfully so. Right, when the Persian Gulf War happened, Man, we had a flood of people in the church. Why? Because they thought the end of times was happening. Y2K. You turned your oven, your, your, your fireplace into a brick oven, right? Because we thought this is the end. And there was a lot of people, we'll get to in just a second, that thought this is going to open the door for the Antichrist to come into power, right? Because there's going to be total chaos. COVID. The whole world pandemic, we're in chaos. 9-11, we thought it is the end of times. And listen to me, I'm not gonna argue that we aren't, we could be. But my opinion is, and let me state that again, because I don't give my opinion very much, but my opinion is this. We are seeing a culture, the church, society, other nations, and alliances being formed that are leading us to the end times, and we're in a period of it being set up, but I don't think we're in the end times. I could be wrong, but let's go back to what Jesus said. What did he say? He said, don't panic, right? Don't be fearful. And if you're feeling fear about this, here's what the Bible says, that God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power 
of love and of a sound mind. And that's not in just some situations, that's in all situations. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, that we don't grieve as those who have no hope, right? And in verse 18, he says to encourage one another with these words. So don't be fearful today, but we have an obligation to be prepared today. So this, it, we're kind of all here and we're like, okay, Justin, so answer me this, riddle me this. When's Jesus coming back? Right? When's the day? When's it going to happen? And here's what I want you to know when it comes to when's the rapture going to happen. Nobody knows when Jesus will return. We just know he will. Right? Nobody. Everybody say nobody. Nobody knows when Jesus will return. We just know he will. Jesus said there's going to be all kinds of signs that the end is drawing near. But don't let the signs fool you and don't let others convince you that Jesus is coming on a certain date, at a certain time, at a certain location, or because of certain reasons like a blood moon. Or a certain Jewish holiday that falls on a different calendar and this is really what this means. No, it doesn't. Or because of a comet that is passing by or stars are aligning a certain way. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 through 42. However, no one, everybody say no one. No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, Jesus himself. Only the father knows. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was gonna happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. So what Jesus is saying clearly is that the only one who knows is the Father. When Jesus is coming back, that is up to the Father. But despite this clear statement, let me give you a list of people who knew more than Jesus about when Jesus was coming back. Our first candidate today is called Edgar C. Wisenant. He wrote a book that many of you are gonna remember, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Could Be in 1988. And it said it would occur on September 11th or 13th in 1988. After his September prediction failed to come true, he revised it to October 3rd, 1988. Harold Camping, this is our boy, Harold is a dummy. Um, this is our boy today. Harold predicted the rapture would happen on September 6, 1994. When it failed to occur, he revised it to September 29th. When that fell through, he changed it again to October 2nd of 1994. Harold wasn't done though. He made a Ford prediction for March 31st, 1995. This would not be the last you hear from Harold. Several Christian leaders predicted that on January 1st, 2000, a Y2K bug would trigger global economic chaos, which the Antichrist would use to rise to power. Pat Robertson suggested in his book, The New Millennium, that April 29, 2007 would be the day of the Earth's destruction. Harold Camping, oh, he's back for more, baby. If once you don't succeed, try, try again, right? After several unsuccessful predictions, Harold predicted the rapture and devastating earthquakes would happen on 
May 21st, 2011, and that the world would end later on October 21st, 2011. Somebody finally made Harold go to bed and stop making predictions. There has always been people trying to tell you when Jesus is coming back, what the date was, what the sign was, but listen to me and listen to your pastor today. Nobody knows. And if they say they do, they're lying. But just call it the way it is. They're a liar that's more concerned about selling books and gaining a following than sticking to the word of God. And that's the simple truth of it. All we know is that Jesus is coming back someday and it will be sudden and it will happen in the blink of an eye and in a moment. So if we know this to be true, right? If we know this to be true about the timing of Christ, when it's gonna happen, if we know all these things, that Jesus will return, let me give you a charge today. Let me give you a way to live your life when it comes and when it concerns the end of times and how the end is coming. Live like Jesus is returning today. As followers of Jesus, you and I are called to live like Jesus is returning today. Thursday, on my way to the gym, uh, Thursday morning, I'm, I'm on the road on the Creek Turnpike at 6.30. And there's people going uh, on, the, on the Creek Turnpike. It's a six-lane highway. And we're all driving stupid, right? We're 65 mile an hour. We're all going 70. Nobody's using their blinker. Um, people are in the left-hand lane. They're not passing. They're just cruising. I'm like, man, get out of the left lane if you're not gonna pass. I hope Jesus comes right now because you're not going, right? Like, I'm just like, stop. And we're all just doing whatever we want. And all of a sudden, at the yell exit, a police officer gets on the highway. And it was like comical to see all the brake lights hit. The speed limit, 65, we were going 70. The moment the police officer gets on the highway, people are going 55. I'm like, you just were like that kid when the parent comes in, like I wouldn't do anything, I wouldn't do anything, right? I'm like, go to the speed limit. People start using their blinker. People are getting over from the left lane to the middle lane to the right lane. Why? Because the presence of somebody who had authority was there. When you are driving and you think a police officer could be ahead, get, sit down, get in your seatbelts buckled, right? You start going the speed limit, you use your blinker. Why? Because you think somebody that has authority is up ahead. And what does it do? It changes your habits, your attitude, and the way that you're acting. And if we do this for police officers, how much more should you and I change the way that we are living our life, knowing that the Lord can come anytime he chooses? And it would be a wise way for you and I to live our lives like Jesus is coming back today. Matthew 24 says this, you must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when you least Expect it. Matthew 25, 13. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or hour of my return. First Thessalonians 5 says, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. So be on your guard. Don't fall asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. And listen to me. If we really, really believe Jesus is coming back, why is it not changing the way we live? Why are we still behaving like we've got time? Because it's coming in a moment. And this isn't to freak you out. 
That's next week's message, right? Like this isn't, this isn't to freak you out today. This is to get us prepared today. And if Jesus could be coming back at any time, and I'm closing, I'm almost done, then what changes do you need to make? What do you need to stop doing? And what do you need to start doing? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to tell about Jesus? Who do you need to invite to church? What do you need to start doing? Because what we do know is Jesus is coming back. And Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter five. He said, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. Don't just keep going along. Don't just keep living your life the way that seems right to you. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is for you. And I'm almost done. What do you need to change? What needs to happen? And some of you today, you're, you're here, you're watching at home online, and right now you're a little scared. And you know why? Because you know there's some changes that need to happen. And today, my job as your pastor isn't to scare you, it's to prepare you. Man, don't live in a foolish way. It would be foolish for us to know something's coming and us to not make changes and to be prepared and be ready for it. And what do you need to change? What conversation do you need to have? What do you need to start doing and what do you need to quit doing? Because here's the good news. You know what happens between Ezekiel 38 and 39, the rapture of the church. We go home to be with him forever. And the rapture and the heaven and the second coming isn't anything to be fearful of. It's something to rejoice and be excited and prepared for because we get to go home and we get to be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords forever and ever and ever. So if that's our hope, if that's what we're supposed to comfort one another with, this isn't just an Easter time, right? If this is what we're looking forward to, man, we would be foolish. We'd be dumb, even dumber than Harold. To not make the changes and not to live like Jesus could come back today or any moment. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. And Lord, I pray today, this message would be a message to prepare us, to educate us, but also to excite us. Now, Lord, you didn't give us a spirit of fear. But Lord, let us lean into your word and let us comfort one another with these words today. Let us find comfort, let us find excitement. And let us, as Paul said, not live like the unwise today, but live like the wise. Making the most of this moment right here, this Sunday morning that we're here because there's some of us here today, we're not ready. God, we're not prepared. And there's changes we need to make. And so Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just put our head in the sand and hope that we get better hope that we change, but that today we would take a tangible step to live in a wiser, better way. 
and we'd be ready and we would be alert and we would be prepared. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.